Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. You've probably heard this, a call to preach is a call to prepare. Well, I, I, I do believe that, but it takes preparation time for different people. And uh, But Jesus prepared those 12, really counting Judas, but not counting him, 11, and he prepared them to follow through with the ministry that he had given them to go into all the world. But we also see that in the life of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was in Acts chapter 7. He hears Stephen praying uh, when they were stoning him, Father, forgive them. He heard that. And then he continued, I mean, he continued his campaign. The Bible says he made havoc of the church. So I, I got a feeling he may have heard others pray. So God was working on him. So in Acts 9 is where we have his Damascus Road experience. And while he had prepared this for Paul, he also had prepared Ananias to be ready to receive him and help him. And then we find out he did go to Arabia, and then he had a year of teaching with Barnabas at the church at Antioch. So before he went on those missionary journeys, Paul had a few years of growing and preparing. Uh, Our guest host is Nathan Harper. Nathan, you were involved in preparation for uh, missionaries to go to other fields. And uh, I remember that, and it was so unique, and it always blessed me to hear that. I think it'd be good for those that are listening to hear how that worked because it was preparation, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, a few years back, I was a part of a uh, missionary training school that was associated with Global Frontier Missions, and uh, I was in uh, in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and you know, for five months, went through uh, what we call missionary training school, and it was very uh, intensive and very hands-on. Uh, ministry, mission experience. Uh, some of it was classroom related, but a lot of it was community oriented uh, to where, and they, they're, they're still doing it now. So, you know, if anybody is interested in in getting some sort of hands-on uh, pre-field training before you go to the mission field, or maybe, you know, as you discover what God is calling you to for next steps in your life, um, you can go to Global Frontier Missions uh, website, gogfm.org and check out their missionary training school. But, um, you know, I was able to do that. And uh, since then, I was able to uh, lead other uh, uh, pre-field trainings for missionaries uh, who are now really uh, scattered all around the world serving the Lord in in missions. And, uh, you know, there's certain places you can go and and do that. It could be formal, uh, even as formal as like a seminary or something like that. Or it could be very informal. where you kind of do it yourself along with a few other brothers and sisters, you know? So, um, Paul, you know, had a very unique, uh, pre-field training. He, <laughs> he said he was kind of by himself, him and Jesus really. Yeah. Um, and so we don't know all that went involved with that, but, um, it's good to be, uh, trained and prepared, uh, even before you're going to get some hands-on, uh, experience and training as you serve. 
but it's good to get some before you step out full time. Uh, so, you know, you can kind of sharpen, sharpen your saw a little bit, if you want to say it that way. And when you do that, again, like you said, you can do it for short term. Nathan and I served at the same church for a few years, and uh, we were mission-minded. We were wanting to do that. We trained people to do some things locally, uh, and Nathan was the main one that was doing the training. And then when we'd go to the foreign, uh, you know, to a foreign country, Nathan, you would spend that time preparing them. But also a lot of these missionaries have to prepare language-wise and customs. At Global Frontier, one of the things they learned because of the people that were there, the refugees that were there, they learned some of the customs that these people they were going to already had. So they had a, a look at it up close and personal, didn't they? Yeah, it's good to have practice. You know, when you get to certain countries, you know, just greeting someone, you might shake their hand, you might bow, you might actually uh, kiss them on the cheek. And so it's good to have practice with the different types of cultures, even as you're just meeting people. And and this is what we want to do on Exploring Missions. We're trying to encourage you, but by having our guests that we have, a lot of times they're speaking, and it's trying to encourage you, but also let you see the training that is needed in order to do that. And then sometimes Nathan and I'll do a thir- basically a 30-minute class on what it means and how to reach others and what the biblical model is. And so our guest today is is going to tell you about a school that's available where you can go online and you can find help or you can go there and study. And, and that is a great way. And it will help you if you go into a short-term mission, long-term, or whether you're going to do it across the street, just like our introduction says. It equips you to be that follower of Christ so that you can be on fire for the Lord and you'll be prepared. So as we listen to this interview, we pray that you would be willing to prepare for what God has for you. Our guest today on Exploring Missions is Dr. Matt Ayers, and he is president of the Wesley Biblical Seminary in Ridgeland, Mississippi. Now, where's Ridgeland? Right outside of Jackson, Mississippi, right in the center part of the state. That's it. Well, welcome, Matt. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, I'm going to call you Matt, and I may revert. Is that okay? That's wonderful. Now, when someone earns their doctorate, they deserve to be called doctorate, but when, when I see somebody with a friendly face like that, it's hard to... Put Listen, all that if aside. The, if from, the king of the cosmos who took on flesh just went by Jesus of Nazareth for that old carpenter, you know, Matt will do for sure. <laughs> well, we welcome you to Exploring Missions. It's good to have you here. Thank you. And you're also assistant professor of Old Testament there. Yes, sir. Oh, man. I bet you love that. It's it's honestly my favorite part of the job. I figured it was. Yeah. yeah you, you just looked at, you would enjoy that. Old Testament comes alive, doesn't it? It does. And, and it adds another dimension to our New Testament reading. So often when we read the New Testament, uh, separated from uh, the Old Testament. It only has, uh, you know, one or two dimensions. But when you have that Old Testament as your context, so many things come to light and you see it uh, at a greater depth and understanding, which just makes it all that much more rich. You know, now this is exploring missions, but I do want to dive in here a little bit. Some people get so confused about the Old Testament and God, you know, all the killing yeah, and sure, the fighting. Sure. But again, we're talking about warfare and we're talking about God doing warfare to bring our salvation through Jesus Christ to us. And it was difficult and hard. But when you connect those and you see the grace of God, the best one I love is Rahab. I love that grace. When Jericho, all of Jericho, 
could have done what Rahab Absolutely, did. yeah. But only Rahab's family and friends seem like they are the ones that believed. Yeah, and Deuteronomy makes provision for, for holy war and saying that if, if, if people repent— and believe then, but if they're going to resist and rebel. And the other thing that, that we oftentimes miss is, is that the people and, and even the, the situation in the ancient Near East, they were, I mean, it was diabolical. It was really just filled with evil and violence and tyranny and, and, you know, just, it was just awful. And so, but there's always enough grace and we trust in God's judgment. Even if we don't fully understand it, we trust that he's judged. I mean, who are we to shake our fist at the creator, the one who created the boundaries of the seas and carved the mountains out of this, you know, so it's it's what you will, Lord. You know, we Amen. trust you. Yeah. Only he could bring mercy and judgment together. And That's it right. Fit. That's we right. try to do that. And we, we come up a little off of the other, you know. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I do. But God does that, which is right. And the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. That's right. But we see him fully revealed in Jesus Christ. That's right. And that's the mission part of it, isn't it? Showing Jesus to the world. That's the goal. That's the end game is, you know, the Holy Spirit comes to glorify Jesus, to lift up Jesus. And, of course, he does that literally lifting him out of the grave, uh, Paul says in Romans 1, uh, you know, he raised uh, by the spirit of holiness. But also he does that by making believers look like him. You know, the way that Jesus glor- or the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in the world is by making me and you look like Jesus so that he's visible. And, and that, that's the mystery to me is people can look upon, you know, the likes of us and see and see the love of God, you know. I mean, it is amazing. Well, I could stay on that yeah, a sure. long time, but I do want to turn to Wesley Biblical Seminary yeah. and talk about its provision and talk about its goal because it's missional. Uh, when we talk about Wesley Biblical Seminary, we're looking at training and, and giving authority to these people who have come to be trained. Now, the authority ultimately comes from God, but when you have some educational training behind it, it adds to that, doesn't it? It absolutely does, and I think there's two ways in which we're missional. One is that we are fulfilling the Great Commission ourselves by making disciples. So as a seminary, we're not just training students and handing out degrees. We're making disciples, and, and, and I, I try to regularly communicate this to the staff and to the faculty that we're not just an education institution. We're a church that's making disciples. We're disciple makers. And so we're fulfilling the Great Commission when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But also we're making disciplers. So we're making disciples and sending out people who can go on to make more disciples. And so the end game of Wesley Biblical Seminary is to fulfill the Great Commission so that God's image bearers extend the church through his kingdom to the ends of the earth and fill the earth with his glory. Um, that's, that's the end game. You know, I'm glad the Great Commission has disciples rather than just the word converts. That's you right. Know? That's right. And uh, yes, there's a place to start, and it is conversion, but it's not the place to end, is it? I always say the rest of the gospel is the best of the gospel, that salvation is not just justification, the forgiveness of sins. Salvation is the transformation of our very nature so that we can conform to the likeness of Christ, that he's redeemed us by taking on our flesh and put us back into special, knowable fellowship with the Holy Trinity itself so that we can be fully redeemed human beings. Okay. I want to turn to you a little bit about how long you've been at Wesley and uh, tell us a little bit about how you're enjoying that because uh, our folks like to he- know a little bit about the person they're hearing on the radio. Yeah, how long sure. have you been there at Wesley now? So just over a year now. I started April 1st, 2020. 
During the pandemic? During the pandemic. And there was a, you know, it was related. <laughs> I was supposed to start July 1st, which is the typical, you know, uh, uh, fiscal year start date for, right. for, our, for our school. Uh, but because of being in Haiti, I was a missionary in Haiti for a number of years, and we were evacuated from Haiti. And, and uh, knowing that we were moving into that position and we were in the States because we were evacuated from Haiti, they said, well, why don't you just start sooner? And so we prayed through that and said, yeah, we can do that. And so I started, you know, April 1. Yeah. There are so many things in 2020 that was just unreal, yeah. you know, virtual learning and everything like that. Did you come on board while they were still doing that? Were y'all meeting in person? How was that going? Yeah. So Wesley shifted to um, a fully online, well, not fully, what we call polysynchronous model um, a number of years ago, and uh, which made it possible for me to be a WBS student from Haiti. I had to come a couple times a year for residency components. But um, now we're doing a polysynchronous model where students can come into the class and sit in the classroom with our professors, or they can watch, they can Zoom in live, or uh, they can watch the recorded Zoom video at according to their schedule. Um, but you know, our we have a little building. Our building's you know smaller than this building. We're nine thousand square feet, two classroom studios, a couple faculty offices. We're in a very small facility um, because most of our students are online. We have a lot of international students as well. You know, in Africa, Haiti, Mexico, uh, wow. in India, and so. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting place, but yeah, we you can complete all of our degrees entirely online, with the exception of our doctoral program. There's a residency component that's required. Well, with that in mind, they have a website that if people are listening to that and they said, "Man, I've been waiting for something like this," where can they go? Yeah, wbs.edu. That's, okay. that's you know the acronym for Wesley Biblical Seminary. Yeah, and even for people who aren't interested in seeking a degree, we have programs for people who want to go deeper at a trusted, accredited institution with seminary professors who can teach them about the Old Testament. I, I taught a course on the Holy Spirit, you know, classical Christian pneumatology this past spring, and it was an audit-only course, $250, you know, anyone who's anyone can sit in and, and engage and taught a course in the Psalms. That's my particular area of expertise in the fall. This this upcoming fall, I'm teaching a course, a 40-hour course on spiritual warfare. Oh, so wow. seminary is not just for pastors or people yeah. seeking degrees. It's for anybody who wants to go deeper. There's all sorts of, of options for you. And if you're a Sunday school teacher, a small group yeah. leader, what an opportunity. I, I, I just want to tell you the first time that I took an overview of the Old Testament survey, they call it, or the New Testament, it really put things together. Yeah. You know, having that survey and look at it the overall and see how it fits yeah. in, it made me more ready to share the gospel, to be more assured of what I was talking about. So this, this training that they could get really would add to uh, their class. I mean, you're you're getting the benefit, but I found out most of the time when they get it, they share it with others. That's right. And and look, going to get training is fulfilling the Great Commission. I mean, you're you're being taught. Yep. You know, you're a part of the growth of the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit, when He teaches us. He leads us to other people, <laughs> and that's what we are at WBS. We're a community of Bible-believing you know, academics and pastors. A load of our faculty are pastors and former missionaries who you know, have been through the formal training, and, uh, and we want to walk through it, be a part of that journey with you to share the knowledge of what we've learned that's helped us to go deeper in our knowledge of Scripture. I mean, I, 
think of the story of Jesus coming alongside of the two on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. They didn't understand what was going on. And it says that he opened their eyes to the scriptures to see that what it, that it spoke of him from beginning to end. And, uh, and he comes alongside and offers that training and says, let me explain to you what's going on here in the text. So he's, he was in that business then. He's in that business now. And, and Wesley Biblical Seminary is just one place of so many places where people can go and, and get that experience. Well, let's go to the name Wesley. Yeah. What what a name to live up to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, when I I look at the Wesleys, you know, both of them, John, you know, yeah. and, and his brother Charles, and see how God moved a country yeah. using them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that was before you had uh, internet and podcast, and you know, these were men that were just sharing horseback, horseback from yeah. place to place. That's right. Does that not, uh, you know, what's our excuse? Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And and you know, the reality of life back then was so different. Um, you know, pioneer America, and you know, we were, I was talking to someone in the hallway here during my visit, and talk, they were talking about the the difference between Haiti and the Dominican Republic. You know, why why is it so different? I said, well, the difference is one country comes from an African animistic background, and the other one is Roman Catholic. And I said, it's the same thing when you cross over from the United States into Mexico, for example. Why is it so different? Well, it's called the Protestant Reformation. That's why it's different. And so, but that that was a revival of God. God was just so in that movement. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why we've gone with the name Wesley. And a part of it is, you know, the person of Wesley and what he represented. But a lot of it was his articulation of what he understood the gospel to be, that it's more than just the forgiveness of sins, but the actual redemption from the power of sinning. And, uh, and that's something that we stand by because we believe it's what the scriptures teach. That's missional, Matt. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the whole idea of, of that is missional and what they did and how God used them just would change the world. Yeah. And it would come over to the United States and I guess the Wesleyan revival. All through that, you see what God was doing. Uh, I, I don't know about you. I said, Lord, do it again. Now, again, it's a different world. Kind of like the, the book of Acts in the first part, you have Peter preaching and multitudes are coming, thousands are coming. And, uh, you know, but he had a ready-made audience. He did have a ready-made audience. But Paul, he would go into the Gentile world. Hacking yep, out a new path. And yes, you see, they added to the church. And every once in a while, they'd have a great group. But most of the time, it would be a few that would believe. He'd bring them out, start a church, and let it expand from there. That's right. So we're, we're living more like in the latter part of Acts in America today than we were the fir- uh, first part. Well, yeah, we're a post-Christian nation now. Yeah. And uh, quickly becoming more and more so. Some places aren't as post-Christian, obviously. You know, here in the Deep South is, is not as post-Christian as Albany, New York, or New Albany, New York, for example, or New, some places in New England. Um, but a lot of people don't have the fundamental knowledge of the history of the scriptures and the story of the scriptures, who Jesus even is. Um, and so it, it is a, it's a new world, and it, it requires a, a different world requires different strategies. Um, culture eats strategy for breakfast, and so we have to be aware of what we're working with. And it is different, and the strategies need to change to be more effective. And here's an example. I think that there's lots of different metaphors in the Bible for what salvation is. You know, one is the judicial metaphor, the forensic metaphor. Salvation is the forgiveness of sins. Another one is the adoption metaphor. Salvation is becoming a child of God. Another one is the familial metaphor, nuptial, excuse me. Salvation is becoming the bride of Christ. And so, but one of the metaphors is healing. 
that in Christ and his resurrection, there's healing. So by walk, his stripes, we are healed. By his stri- right. So exactly. not everyone in America, especially in a post-Christian world, would say, yeah, I'm a sinner who needs forgiveness. That's the Romans road route to conversion, right? Um, well, that's not as effective as it used to be because there's a rejection of the idea of a moral absolute in post, a post-Christian world uh, where there, there wasn't as much of an objection to moral absolute in the generations before us in America. While someone may not admit that they're a sinner that needs forgiven, I don't know anyone who wouldn't admit that they're broken and need healing. And so that metaphor may be a better starting point for this new world context that we're dealing with of yeah. a post-Christian era in, in America. We see Jesus using that all the time. All the time. All the time. We, uh, isn't it bad? And I guess this is where denominations came from. They saw one way and they said, that's the way we did it. And they didn't yeah. consider another way, like a church ruling. Yeah, you had the whole church body deciding some things and some things you had a, a group of elders deciding and sometimes just the guy, Paul decided or, yeah, or sure. James decided. Now, which one's the biblical model? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah sure. And so, that's why we need each other. That's like, exactly you know, right. The, don't, don't come and fight and say who's right and wrong. Just get it done, This man. is complimentary. So the it Methodists is. need the Presbyterians to remind us that salvation is a gift, you know, by grace through faith. And the Presbyterians need the Methodists to remember that it's not just about getting sins forgiven. Yeah. It's about a life transformed. And uh, and we need the Pentecostals and the Charismatics to remember that God, we're not cessationists. God is still doing miracles today Amen. all over the world and delivering people from demonic forces. And we need each other. We need each other. This is complimentary. This is not a competition. This is not capitalism. This is not consumerism. This is the kingdom of God in which we're all working together. And 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 I get that sense when I sit with my fellow brothers of different denominational distinctions. You know, I had lunch the other day with the president of uh, Reformed Theological Seminary, great guy, Ligon Duncan. And we're not competing with one another. We're complementing one another. Amen. We have different purposes. We're different parts of the body. There's unit. There's diversity among the unity, and we're going to work together to get this thing done. You know, we're not at. You know, we're not competing. This is not capitalism in, in, in the church. If I were listening on the radio and I heard Dr. Ayers talking this way, I'd say, man, I would love to go to that seminary. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm joking. It, not joking. It's, it's, it's a special it's, place. It's a special place. Tell us how or what. I know you said they can audit a class, but if they were looking for, quote, a degree, yeah. what's offered there and how long? And tell yeah. us a little bit about that. I, I, that's missional because we've got some people out there. They've just said, Lord, I believe you're calling me to, to preach, to be a missionary, sure. youth work, and I'm looking for a good place to go. Yeah. Here's Wesley. Yeah, so non-degree programs are, are great. They feed the church. It's vitamins and food for the church. But the degree programs really are important. Um, it gives you the seal that says, I've done the work. I've been held accountable for the work. I, I know the scriptures. I'm a serious student of the scriptures. I'm a serious student of theology. I can tell you, you know, the movements of intellectual history across, you know, the centuries of Christendom. And and so degree programs are important. We've got, you know, Master's of Divinity is our number one degree program. That's a pastor's degree. Um, we've got uh, lots of different MAs, Master of Arts. Uh, mine is MA Biblical Literature before I did the PhD in Old Testament. We have MA Christian Studies. We have um, we have chapter Chaplaincy degree programs, we have honors programs, we have um, um, missionary programs, so MA and missiological or intercultural studies. We also have degree certificates for someone who may not want a full-blown master's, but something in between. We have degree certificates for ministry in the African-American church, ministry to Muslims, uh, church planning and, and revitalization degree certificate. Starting in the fall, we're also offering undergraduate program. 
which is a first time for us. Um, so there's a lot of folks out there who want to get ministry training from an accredited school from a world-class faculty, uh, but they don't have fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year to go to you know a liberal arts Christian university, and they have families where they're taking care of their families. They can't just uproot and move to a different state to go to Bible college, or they're at a different place in life than a college student. And so we're offering a fully polysynchronous online and very affordable bachelor's program. We have a lot of folks in Mississippi with associate's degrees, and they want to complete. They want to get a bachelor's. And so yeah. come to us, do two more yeah. years, and get your, your accredited degree in Christian ministry. Yeah. And it's really affordable. Yeah. I mean, we're talking $200 a credit hour. Most schools are five to 600 bucks a credit hour. That's got, you know, Mississippi, uh, this goes way further than Mississippi, having the community college network that That's it right. is. That's why we're doing this. Oh, it's, that was a huge emphasis I figured it was because it's just, it's everywhere that you can go. That sounds awesome. One more thing before we go, I want to ask you, that person that's out there considering, you know, furthering their uh, education, mm. I would say, not just a certificate, but a diploma, but someone that's saying, man, I want, I'm a Sunday school teacher, and I love the New Testament. Every once in a while, I have trouble with the Old Testament. Give the, um, them the incentive to follow up and get on the website and let them get online and learn more. Let that person that's driving down the road right now and saying, you know, I— I was good when we were studying the book of Acts, but now we're in the book of Habakkuk, and I don't sure. know what to do. <laughs> sure. Here, here's a really good example, I think. Um, so Jesus, this is New Testament, but it draws on Old Testament, you know, literary form. So Jesus is with his disciples in John chapter 4, and he says, we got to go through Samaria, uh, which is a foreign country for them. You know, they're not supposed to go through Samaria, but they go through Samaria, Samaria and they arrive at a well in the middle of the day. And this woman comes to the well, and Jesus is there left alone because his disciples go to get him food. And and, um, and he starts a conversation with her. This is taboo. You're not supposed to do that uh, for a lot of reasons. And, uh, and she points that out. You're not supposed to be talking to me. And, so, and then uh, he reveals to her that he's the Messiah. And he tells her some things about her miraculously that he knows, which is a sign that he is who he says he is. And then she goes back to her hometown and tells everyone about this man she met at the well. That's Old Testament literary romance genre right there. And so we see this sort of formula happening three different times in the Old Testament. And notice that this story happens at Jacob's well. One of those... One of those stories is with Jacob. So Jacob goes to a well. He's a foreigner passing through a foreign land, and this woman comes to get water. He has a conversation with her about water. And, of course, Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman about water. Get me some water. Well, if you asked me for water, I'd give you water that would never have an end. Have a convert, And then goes back to her home, tells everyone about the man that she met, and then they get married. This happened to Moses when he found his wife, went to a well. He was a foreigner traveling through a foreign land, had a conversation about water. She went back to her hometown, told her dad. They got Got married. This also happened to Abraham for Isaac. He sent Eleazar, a servant, to go and find a wife for Isaac. Foreigner traveling through a foreign land arrived at a well, have a conversation about water, back to and they get this is a marriage story. And so when we read this in the New Testament, we're going, Holy cow, we're being introduced to the bride of Christ here. Amen. And what's interesting about that is just before all this happens, uh, John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, go to John and say, Jesus is baptizing more people than you. Aren't you worried about that? He goes, No, look, I'm just the bridegroom. Yeah. 
I'm just the bride, the bride, the, uh, excuse me, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. He's the bridegroom. So we have the wedding. And then what happens in John 2 just before this? The wedding of Cana, right? And then this is John, the author, writing. We know he has weddings in mind in Revelation and the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so this story isn't just telling us that Jesus is offering forgiveness for fornicators. He's telling us that this is what the bride of Christ looks like. And he's saying, leave your other husbands and marry me. Like it's time to get serious about your relationship with me. I'm your real husband. And so that's a call to sanctification. So like with the Old Testament knowledge of this, this story all of a sudden takes on a whole nother dimension. And so when we know the Old Testament and we can, that can inform our reading of the new, um, we just go deeper. We go deeper. You have just heard why it would be good for you to consider uh, going to, to Wesley Biblical Seminary and, and saying, Lord, uh, do you want me to be a part of that, that I could connect those dots, connecting those dots yeah. between the new and the old, between Jesus and the prophets, between Jesus and the law? Yeah. I mean, it's one of the—it it enlightens. And when you do that, you're on mission for God. That's I right. mean, you really, it's filling it full. Jesus came not to do away with the law, but to fill it full. And he really does. That's he right. has. And he'll do it in your life. Well, Dr. Ayers, I want to thank you for being with us. Thank you, on, on exploring missions and may God bless you and you who are listening may God bless you and may you increase your knowledge in Christ that you may be on mission for him. 